friends, welcome to Better Than Journaling. I'm Adia. And I'm Aisha. We are two mental health professionals journaling out loud, analyzing our own thoughts and feelings. This is not about us giving you mental health advice. We're just having our own existential crises one episode at a time, so you don't have to. So get comfy and fill your teacup with whatever it is you drink, because it's time for an episode of Better Than Journaling. Good evening, Miss Aisha. Good evening, Miss Adia. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. We had lovely weather here in San Diego today. And I so enjoyed nice every today. bit of it. So nice. So nice today. Like mm. almost too warm. Oh my goodness. It was almost too warm. Well, but it looked really, really pretty out. I'm assuming, I haven't looked, but I'm assuming the East Coast is no longer being wrecked by whatever storm passed through for the last week and some change. And so now we have a, a reprieve as well. Still chilly in the evening, of course. It's winter, but you know, I can't complain. I won't complain. I can't even tell you what it's like in the evening because I'm never outside in the evening. But I can tell you that like six o'clock in the morning is hella cold. Yeah, hella, hella. I like to keep windows open all the time so I can feel when it gets chilly. Like if I need to keep my bedroom window closed, that's a sign for me that it's uh, it's chilly in the evenings here. And I have to take uh, Luna for walks. So I'm always aware of how chilly it is in the evening. Yeah. Nope. I usually have the windows closed, so I don't notice that. I would like to have the windows in my office open during the daytime, but I'm always worried about privacy. So I don't know what the temperature is like on outside until I go. Until I actually go you go out early in the mornings, so you definitely get an indication of how chilly it got in the evening. Oh, okay. I guess if it's similar, I guess if it's similar in the morning to what it was like at night, then yeah, I know what it's like in the evening. I never really thought about that. You know why at my old place, I used to have the windows open all the time because they were higher than my head. Like they were above the bed. Um, but also there was nothing outside. Here, I have a like a flower tree. I can't tell you what kind of flower it is. But there's a flower tree outside. And if I left the window open at night, I would just sneeze all night. Oh, makes sense. Yeah, no, protective measures. <laughs> right. So you know what's been on my mind lately? What's been on your mind? The idea that women don't ask for help, even when hmm. it's very obvious, and I'm assuming, well, yes, I know, expected and anticipated by those who we care, who we care about and who care about us deeply for us to ask for help in simple things and in really, really big things where it would be really smart and in our best interest to ask for help. Okay. Yeah, no, I guess that this is something that comes up for me quite a bit, came up for me somewhat recently. Have, I'll tell you, have you ever heard that women uh, die in the bathroom at restaurants? Have you ever heard this? Uh, phenomena that lots of women die in the bathroom at restaurants die in the bathroom at a restaurant I've never heard this, that this is a thing that uh, <laughs> it's no <laughs> this is not just a fluke of one unlucky woman 
nope. this is a thing for many women. Not no, not one unlucky woman. Women die many in the bathroom women. at restaurants. Uh-huh. Women die in the bathroom at restaurants because if they start to choke, rather than calling attention to themselves in the dining room, they go to the bathroom to choke in private. Uh, oh my god. With- <laughs> The problem with choking in private is that if you pass out, particularly like let's say in a single style bathroom, there's nobody there to help. Fuck. So when you've you've guaranteed your privacy, that's that's true. You have guaranteed your privacy. You don't have to be embarrassed. And I imagine that if you go to the bathroom to choke and you find yourself starting to pass out, one of the last thoughts will be how embarrassing that I'm going to be found passed out in the bathroom. So that's immediately yeah. what I thought. Like, so like uh, <laughs> the opposite of what you were hoping for is absolutely going to be true. Holy hell. You're going to get a ton of attention for being passed out in the bathroom. So women are choking to death in bathroom stalls in the bathroom. Women are in the rest. I mean, in a restaurant. To death in the bathroom. And funny thing that this came up recently for me, I did not choke. I've never choked. Knock on wood if there's any around. Uh, I've never choked before. So I don't know what that experience is like. But I was out to dinner a few never weeks ago. Not that I can recall. I mean, not on wow. anything that could kill me. Like I'll choke because like water will go down the wrong way or something. Oh, okay. Like that, yes. Yes. Okay. Got it. <laughs> I mean, I must have I must have been taught to chew enough times. Uh, because I don't actually choke. I've never choked on food or swallowed something I wasn't supposed to swallow or anything like that. Uh, but um, got it. So I'm out at a restaurant with some friends on a Friday evening a couple weeks ago. And I believe that I have an allergy to certain shellfish. I think specifically mussels. Um, And we had, we ordered paella and it was like a mixed seafood paella. So it had mussels in it. I haven't had mussels in many years because the last time I had them, I thought maybe I had an allergic reaction to them. So I was like, I don't think I should eat those again. But this time I actually had the thought, I was like, remember that time, long time ago when you went to, uh, red lobster. There was a red lobster outside of uh, Magic Mountain a long time ago. I don't know if it's still there, but I was driving mm-hmm. home from Magic Mountain after having like this mixed seafood platter with fried all kinds of seafood. And the only one that I wasn't super familiar with was mussels. Um, and afterwards I got really sick. And that was, I don't know, 25 years ago, maybe, maybe even longer ago than that. But since then I had not tried mussels again, um, but I got really sick driving home from Magic Mountain. Well, this night I had just one little muscle and there's, there's not a lot of meat in those shells. So I take a little bit of it out and I decide to try it and everything's fine. I believe that this is what happened is that I had an allergic reaction to muscles. But I'm sitting at the table and ironically, as we're sitting at the table, there's eight of us, seven of us actually. There's seven of us because somebody didn't make it. And one of the girls is telling us about how she had a choking incident at home alone the night before. And she was like, I didn't think I was going to make it. And we're like, why didn't you call us? Like, you should have called one of us. And she was like, I just, I was so embarrassed. I didn't know what was going on. So she didn't call us. And we're having this long conversation. Well, they are because I was, you know, silently dying. They're having this long conversation (laughs) (laughs) about how she did not ask for help. Um, Meanwhile, all of a sudden, I start getting this like high pitched ringing sound in my ears. Um, like this screeching sound. And it sounds like, I've never had tunnel vision, but it sounds like some version of tunnel vision where you have like tunnel hearing. So it's mostly foggy, but through like what feels like a straw, 
like a like a coffee oh. stirrer straw super super tiny straw i hear yeah. like this high pitched sound all of a sudden i'm sweating i'm nauseous oh, no. and i'm kind of oh, no. i'm kind of looking around my my vision's getting blurry i'm like i am not okay there's something really wrong with me and so i'm sitting oh. at a table with my friends you know you said a, a minute ago you know these are people who care about you and they would want to help you right so i'm sitting right. at a table with friends uh all therapists and educators so people who help oh, no. people for a living right we're having a conversation about how one of those women did not ask for help when she needed it and i'm oh, like something's wrong with me i'm going to either puke on this table or something else is going to happen like i'm not okay sweating right. feeling dizzy not okay so i decide like every brilliant woman who doesn't want to call too much attention to herself does to go to the bathroom so oh, i wait no. until Oh, your final resting place. My, I, it, girl, I kind of thought it was going to be my final resting place. So oh. I wait until I feel a little bit less dizzy and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, so I say to the person next to me, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. I, I get up to go to the bathroom. This is like an outdoor, the restaurant is indoors, but you know, COVID. So they have outdoor seating and the outdoor right. seating is in what would have been their like back parking lot. So in order to get into the restaurant, you have to walk up this ramp. And because it's outside, it's like a concrete ramp. So I get to the bottom of the ramp and I look up to the top of the ramp. And all of a sudden, the ramp looks kind of wavy. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to walk up this ramp and I'm going to fall on my face and knock myself out. So whatever it is that's going oh, on no. in my body is not going to kill me. But I'm going to die from face falling plant. Face yes. into yes. this ramp. Oh my God. So I get to the top of the ramp and there's a woman there. She's looking out at the, out at the seating to see if there's, you know, seating available. She's a hostess or something. And I ask her where the bathroom is, but remember, I can't hear anymore. Right. Because this, <laughs> you're dying. Cause I'm dying. You're literally cause slowly dying. Tunnel hearing going on. There's this high pitched screechy thing. I'm like trying to read her lips, but I can't see all that well. So she tells me where the bathroom is i don't hear it i'm trying to get to the bathroom uh trying to like hold on to things that are not attached to people like i don't want to touch the back of anybody's chair and have them be like What's oh wrong with you? my gosh but i'm like holding yeah. on to walls or whatever i make it to the bathroom there's a line because of course there's a line of course luckily, there's a line yeah there's two single single use bathrooms and i'm saying there one says male, one says female the two people that are waiting in line are females and i'm like i don't care and the and soon after I got there, somebody gets out and one of those women goes in. So there's just one woman standing there. Now I'm like, I don't care which one of these doors opens first. I don't care about this lady. I don't care if it's the men's room. I'm going into whatever bathroom opens next because I am going to pass out. And then the door opened and I didn't have the boss to just be like, I don't care what you think I'm going. So here I am, I'm dizzy. I'm like leaning on the wall in front of me, uh, waiting to die. And eventually the woman comes out of the bathroom. <laughs> I'm serious. Now, mind you, my friends are steps yeah. away at this table. Somebody could have helped me. But that would have been way too embarrassing. So I go into the bathroom to actually ask for help. I go into the bathroom. I'm getting dizzier and dizzier. Uh, let's just say some things went down in that bathroom that we don't need to discuss the details of. <laughs> But thankfully not your death. Oh my God. <laughs> thankfully not my death. I, I'm in the bathroom Googling, like what happens if you have an allergy to muscles? Like that's oh, that's no. what's going on in there. Cause I am convinced that I'm gonna die. 
Um, but you won't text your friends or call your friends. Oh, am I texting my friends? No. But why would I do that? Because then that would call it call attention to myself. So does eventually, it, does it occur to you how ironic it is that this conversation is happening and you're doing the exact opposite of what you just somewhat scolded your other friend for not doing? I am fully aware of the ridiculousness uh, of the situation as it's going on. Fully aware. Fully aware how ridiculous the situation is. Oh um, my gosh. So I'm in the bathroom for a good 10, 12 minutes wondering, like at this point, why has nobody come to check on me? Because <laughs> it just feels like I've been gone for a really long time. Eternity. I start to, after, after the shit went down in the bathroom, I start to clear a little bit. I'm like, okay, I can make it back to the table, go back to the table, sit down. I'm still a little bit sweaty, still a little bit dizzy. But then like as quickly as it started, it stopped, just completely went away. And I was a hundred percent back to normal. That's wild. That's wild. <laughs> I said to the person next to me, I was like, girl, I almost died in the bathroom. And she's like, what? what's going on? Aisha, what? What are you doing? I didn't even tell the rest of the people at the table. I had already come up with a plan about how I was going to, like, when it was time to leave, if I was still feeling this way, but I was going to, you know, we're an affectionate group. I was going to, like, take somebody's arm so that I could get to the car and nobody would notice that I was staggering. And then yeah. I would have the girl pull up in the driveway when we got to, because I wasn't driving, and have my friend pull up in the driveway. And then as soon as I got in the house, I'd be able to collapse and nobody would know except for my husband. And it would, that would be okay. Girl, totally um. in a position where I'm aware that women die in the bathroom. I'm sitting with people who would want to help me if they could. Um, I'm putting myself in a situation to pass out on a public bathroom floor. Oh, so that I can boy. wake up and, and feel like crap about that for the rest of my that life. part. Yeah. Well, let me was... tell you, I'm, I have, I'm wondering, like, okay, so you said you did mention embarrassment, so shame. You didn't say anything about guilt, but I'm wondering for you if, you know, similar feelings or ideas or beliefs were really driving the way that you handled the situation. Um, so I have my own story. It did not involve choking at a restaurant. It involved over imbibing at a wedding that obviously <laughs> had a, an open bar. And, oh boy, See, um, that's why those shouldn't exist. Um, they need to exist, are you kidding me? Um, and I, you know, became very ill at the dinner table and uh, hurriedly uh, scurried off to the bathroom um, and <laughs> just um, to die, yes, yeah, silently and privately, mostly privately. Um, we were at a, a really nice estate. So there were, it's a home. So there, you know, are less restrooms and the ones that were downstairs and easy access. I think there were probably only two, maybe three stalls in the women's restroom. And I am a hundred percent certain. Wait, this was a home certain. that had stalls in the bathroom? Yeah. I mean, I think that the home was probably retrofitted fitted for I'm assuming they only host events uh, yeah. and, and parties and things at this home. And so, um, yeah, I think it was set up intentionally to, you know, be able to host guests, yeah. large parties of people. Um, okay. So I 
was in one of the stalls and I'm certain that I passed out because at some point I awoke <laughs> to the sounds of oh, lots of merry no. women saying like, come on, get out, you know, and cheerful. Um, and then I heard the voice wait, of the bride. Wait. They were cheerfully chanting outside the bathroom to get out of there. I mean, we're all intoxicated. It's a wedding, <laughs> you know, and they're not assuming that I'm like, half dead in the stall you know they're just like what are you doing in there maybe they think i'm texting i have no idea what they think i'm doing but i, I know that they I have need never to been eat. curious never been curious about what somebody's doing in the bathroom but okay so they're merrily maybe if out. you really had to pee and had an uncomfortable outfit on <laughs> and were tired of waiting and noticed that only one stall or two stalls was moving and one was not um and my feet weren't moving you know what i mean like i'm just sure they were like then they're rowdy you know they're drunk so anyways the bridal party or parts of the bridal party are there because I hear the, the bride and she's a good friend of mine and so then I am able to like like whisper or whatever her name and my name and I don't know that I said much else and then she could tell that I was not okay and was like open the door and so then she helped me and I was mortified and hurriedly oh got to a different location and then went somewhere else and hid out and just um did not have to be on my own when I was feeling so poorly um but definitely felt very guilty and lots of shame around assuming that I had ruined her event which I had not she was completely oblivious and was super supportive when she realized that it was me and that I was not okay but I can see that shame and guilt and fear can drive us to make really irrational decisions, you know, um, in times where we really do need someone else that has much more sound judgment than we do to help us in those situations. So I'm just, I know that I, I carry a lot of shilt, uh, shilt. Uh, that's a combination of shame and guilt, if you're wondering, um, a lot of shame uh, for things that don't, you know, don't, that don't serve me, that don't, uh, really helped me uh, in life. Um, so I know that that was one of the drivers for me. And I heard you say something about being embarrassed or imagining that you would be embarrassed. Um, but just thinking about what we're really embarrassed about. Are we embarrassed about, about needing help, about needing someone else? Are we embarrassed about um, not being perfect? You know, just like all of the things that when you're of sound mind just make zero sense, but you can't help. I, well, anyways, I couldn't help going to that place when I was feeling so helpless. I don't know that I'm good at, good at asking for help even when it's not of sound mind. I clearly was not of sound mind that night um, because I just could not. Like I said, my, my brain was foggy. I was dizzy. I couldn't see right. I couldn't hear hardly at all, except for that high-pitched screeching. So certainly I, I could agree that my brain wasn't working very well that night. But I don't know that even at times where my brain is working well, I'm like, oh, let me ask for help. Let me, let me get people to do something for me. I don't know, shame? I don't know why I would feel ashamed that I was sick, but I know that I would be embarrassed to get all of the attention that that might come to me if I was sick, although much more attention would come to me if I died in the bathroom. <laughs> so much more, but you wouldn't have to bear it, right? Because I wouldn't have you'd to be bear dead. It. Yeah, you'd be dead. Completely. Is, and I, you know, I love to have this conversation, but is shame not an underlying feeling of embarrassment? Well, I think, I mean, certainly they're on the same continuum, but shame is way further on the continuum. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you your situation, like you had absolutely no control over an allergic reaction. So why should you, I don't know, why should you be able to handle what you don't even know what's happening inside of your body? I don't know how my body works. I don't know why my lungs do what they do or why my heart's doing what it does. I just am happy that it is doing what it's supposed to be doing when it's supposed to be doing it. So like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I am very puzzled by the idea and the phenomenon that so many women um, rob themselves of support, especially in times where we are basically helpless. You know, it's funny, the whole, the whole idea of being a sound mind, I would say that I'm of sound mind right now. Um, and if I were, if I'm asking myself right now, if you were in that situation again, would you do anything different? I'm of sound mind right now. My brain is not foggy. My ears are not ringing. I'm not dizzy. I think that I would probably still sneak away to the bathroom. That embarrassment thing is still completely real for me, even in my more logical state that I'm in right now. And like, yeah, and I, 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 you're right. I think if I, I think if I were in a similar situation and I had gotten myself to a situation where, well, first of all, I've never since then gotten myself to that level of imbibe uh, to where I'm just so uncomfortable that I need to go hide away and, and sleep it off in the bathroom stall. <laughs> Um, in, a bathroom in, a, in a bathroom stall, I, what I'm hoping is that I would be able to say to the person, you know, in closest proximity to me that I, I'm not feeling well, can you help me to the restroom, you know, even if it's just quietly and privately to that one person. Um, I think I'm getting to a place now where whatever fears of embarrassment I have, I'm willing to confront them uh, a bit more, even if it's just with one person. Um, because yeah, I was, I was really uncomfortable. I was really unhappy in that restroom. I was really uncomfortable for quite a time afterwards. And then even long after I was sober the next day, just remembering and then or hearing stories of that evening were just ugh, made me shudder, you know? So. I'm at least hoping that I'm moving to a place where I'm not as apprehensive or um, I don't know, uh, against seeking help or support. I think the other piece around asking for help is like, there's this other part of me that believes that I'll, I'll be fine, I'll take care of it. Um, not very good at relying on others or confident that others will be able to offer the support that I'm looking for or that they'll be effective at being helpful. So either they will be burdened by my request or be ineffective at offering support. And I'm wondering if that's a piece of it for others as well. Yeah, How about you? I feel like, yeah, I definitely feel like asking for help makes me a, makes me a burden 
I don't want to burden people. But I also, I also feel like it says something about me uh, that I can't take care of something on my own. You mentioned like you would want to be able to turn to the person next to you, turn to one person and say, help me to the bathroom. Um, so when you mentioned that, that makes sense. Being able to say to one person at the table, hey, can you come with me to the bathroom? If that person could be discreet and we could just go, that probably would be fine. That would be very different than uh, telling all of them that I wasn't okay. But, but I, I think for me, it's bigger. You, you also said, you know, you think you got it. Like, I'm just going to go take care of this and I'll be okay. Um, I don't know if I thought I had it, but I know that that's something that, uh, that drives me to not ask for help. But I'm just wondering, and we should probably take a break before we answer this question, but I'm just wondering, what is it, what messages have we heard about asking for help? What, what do we think it says about us if we can't handle something? We can't do something on our own. What do we think that says mm. about us? Don't answer yet. Just think about it and let's take a quick break. All right, we are back. So right before we went to break, ask the question, what do we think it says about us if we feel like we need help from somebody? So for the most part, I don't, I also don't ask for help. I do have the ability to identify when someone that I'm close to has a greater lived experience, practice, or expertise in a certain area. And if we both agree uh, that that person knows more about a subject or might have some ideas or help me brainstorm something, I'm really comfortable asking them for help, whether it be my mom uh, or close friends um, or even colleagues potentially. And I don't think, I don't have any negative feelings or hesitations around asking for help or guidance or advice. Um, there are things though, where I think, I think probably I believe that other people believe that I should know already. I sh you should know this, you should have mm -hmm. this figured out and I might uh, lose some status or respect um, or regard um, for my competence. Um, then I'm far less, um, I'm far less likely to ask for help or guidance or clarification or support in that area. So if I'm supposed to have got it already, uh, or I think that they think that or might think that, then yeah, the, the, the odds are slim to none that I will come, come clean about needing, wanting or benefiting from some additional help or support. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I think, I don't know that the messaging, I don't, and maybe, I don't know, I don't think I've had too many situations where people have, you know, been disappointed or surprised mm -hmm. or um, reprimanded me in any way for not knowing something. I mean, there may be, you know, some offhanded comments like, you don't know, or like, come on for real, or well, I'm surprised. Um, and that kind of stuff sticks with me because then the message is like, well, you should have known. Um, and that probably has kind of resonated and I felt some level of embarrassment or shame and that mm -hmm. kind of planted a seed pretty deeply for me to be hesitant about revealing, you know, a lower level of competence across the board. Hmm. Yeah. That makes sense to me that, yeah, 
I think that if people, it depends on the topic, but if people expect me to know, if people think I know, then I might be reluctant to say I don't know. But that also depends on how confident I am in my general knowledge. Like I am confident in my general knowledge about, you know, let's say leadership. I feel like I'm pretty good at that. So if something comes up in a meeting and people are like, what do you do about this? I feel like I'm confident enough as a leader that I can say, huh, that's new and I don't know what to do with that. And, and I'm confident enough that not knowing one thing doesn't shake my idea of my competence. And I don't assume it'll shake others' idea of my general competence either. But if there's something right. that I have any insecurity about at all, um, then I'm less likely to say that I'm struggling with some aspect of it because I think it'll shake my confidence and therefore other people's perception of my competence. But there's also this thing where um, intentionally or unintentionally, I've gotten to a point where I have set the bar high enough that other people expect some things from me or expect some ability, expect some some desensitization, expect that I am fine, that that now I feel like I have to live up to this thing that has already been, um, you know, kind of programmed into people. I was in a meeting a few weeks ago and we were giving out assignments and you know, how with wrap around, it's like, when will this be done or whatever? So the person said, whatever the assignment was that I had, uh, the person said, how about next Friday? It was like Wednesday. So how about next Friday, which is like a week and a half. Um, and I was like, yeah, that works. And then somebody else in the meeting said, knowing Aisha, it'll be done tonight. And then I was like, oh boy, well, dang, now I feel like I need to do it tonight so that I'm like living up to, first of all, because I can. Second of all, this is the, this is the kind of impression of me that I have projected to people. So now I feel like if I don't do it by tonight, uh, then I'm not living up to the standard that I have set. And that, it, I was all in my head about that. I was like, should you just do it? You can get it done tonight. Should you just do it because they expect you to? Or if you do it, will they always expect you to get, get it done right away? And I was all in my head about that. Man, that's like crazy making, right? Like the bar just keeps getting higher and higher until you're dead in a public bathroom. <laughs> I don't know how I thought that sentence was going to end, but I did not think it was going to end until you're dead in a public bathroom. But yes, full circle. It just keeps getting higher and higher until you're dead in a public bathroom. Yeah, like it's like like words matter, you know. And I'm sure they were meaning that in a complimentary way, maybe even a bit of envy. Um, maybe a little bit of awe about your, you know, your ability, your competence or whatever. However, the, the ugly side of that is that um, there's, it feels like there's no room for error from your perspective, you know, there's like a loss of humanity, you know, and that's kind of what, to me, what I think of when I think of that, uh, dying in the bathroom alone like that is there's nothing dignified about that there's definitely a loss of humanity that um you don't need or deserve or you know want desire the comfort of others that um even in your last moments 
you should be on your own and, and handle this really terrifying uh, situation and moment in your existence. So, you know, this is really resonating with me. This is like really, I don't know, eye-opening and calling to me in a different way about how and where um, I reinforce this messaging for myself that I need to be standing on my own and how that equates to like alone, you know, alone. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't like the sound of that. Like I, I, I do feel strong and competent and willing. And also I don't want, I don't, that isn't the most important. I don't want that to be the most important thing to me so much so that it drives me into isolation Mm -hmm. in my moments where I most uh, most want to feel supported and um, connected. Like I, I don't need to be good and the best and right uh, so much that I need to be alone, you know? Right. Right. You know what's funny to me is even though I'm not good at asking for help, I kind of judge the quality of a friendship by whether or not that's a person that I would go to in a crisis. Not that I have a lot of crises, not that I go to all of these people in a crisis, but if I'm thinking about like, who, who are my closest friends? They are the people that if I really needed help, whether it was to do the Heimlich so I don't choke to death in a bathroom or to borrow $500 or to, you know, I had a, I had a pact with a friend of mine at our last job. She was bad at, I can't remember what she was bad at, but I was bad at maybe it was progress notes or something like that. And I was like, if I die, I need you to go ahead and write all my progress notes real quick before they recognize I haven't done it. Like, yeah. like the person that I would, that I would uh, confide in that I'm bad at this thing that's really important to the job. This was a, lot of, a long time ago. I'm really good at it now. You know, all of you <laughs> auditors out there. Yes, yes, yes. But, but I was bad at keeping up with stuff like that. Um, and I was like, nobody can know. And she was bad at something else. And she was like, nobody can know that I'm really bad at this. So I'm confiding in you that I'm bad at this. And if, you know, if something happens to me, you go take my, all of my private stuff out of the nightstand before my mama come check my house. Like that kind of thing. Exactly. Like, who, that are, kind of who, are thing. These, exactly. <laughs> who are these people that I would trust with my secrets that I would ask for help? Not that I'm going to ask them for help all the time, but if I really needed to, who are these people? Um, and I judge the quality of a friendship, how close I am with a person based on how much of my faults I would allow them to know and whether or not I would ask them for help if I really, truly needed it. And yet, even though that's kind of the mark of who a good friend is to me, I still don't go to those people. Maybe I, maybe my idea of what a crisis is that's worthy of asking for help is like the threshold is way too high or something. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> that's absolutely also how I um, label someone who's a friend is if I would lean on them in a time of need and you know to your your thought it made me consider how that feels for the people who were closest to or purport to be closest to so for instance you were speaking about the reaction of the friend group at the table when learning (laughs) that one of you one of you almost nearly died and and didn't Mm -hmm. reach out and they it sounded like there was a mix of disbelief and but also like hurt and um I'm wondering if you know for me if I'm thinking about a a dear friend of mine who I believe were mutually you know excuse me um 
share, you know, mutual feelings of like admiration, adoration, love, respect. Um, I would be hurt and I would wonder what was missing from the friendship or either like maybe my presentation that would keep them from reaching out to me in whatever capacity, leaning on me, seeking my support, my input. And I, 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 you know, it makes me think that we frequently rob the people who are the most important to us, the closest to us of opportunities to be close to us and to prove themselves to us and to deepen that intimacy and that connection and that strengthen that relationship, you know? So it's this dual process of us isolating ourselves and bearing a lot of the brunt of our, of our pains and our struggles in life and equally pushing them away, marginalizing them and, and preventing the friendship from building and growing. Yikes. Absolutely. There was, there was absolutely some level of outrage and disbelief that was part of that conversation when we were like, why didn't you call us if you were choking? We could have, somebody could have called 911. We could have came over, blah, 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 blah. There was definitely some level of, I can't believe you did not ask for help, mm. ironically, while I was dying in the bathroom. <laughs> that was definitely part of, that was definitely part of that conversation. And, you know, as you, as you mentioned this, I think, what if I would have died in that bathroom with six of my closest friends sitting at that table? How would that have felt to them? What would have, would, what would it have been like for them to know that they might've been able to help and I wasn't willing to ask? What kind of trauma would I have put them through to find out when, you know, although they didn't come looking for me for like 12 minutes, I came back on my own. But like, let's say it would have been 30 minutes and they were like, where's Aisha? And they would have came looking for me and somebody would have found me like that. You know, if I had been really injured or dead or something like that on a public bathroom floor, oh my gosh, how embarrassing. There's no dignity in that. But but what would that have done to them? You know, it feels like, it almost feels like a selfish act to not ask mm-hmm. for help under those circumstances when I'm putting people mm-hmm. in a position to, to have to live with the consequences of my, I mean, vanity, it sounds like, you know, I just didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want to call too much attention to myself. Um, I'm just going to go <laughs> sweat my ass off in private and then hopefully not die and pass out because I don't yes. want them to know. You know, that would have been, I imagine that would have been hard on them. It would have been a selfish act because I didn't want to be embarrassed. And, you know, something happens to me. I have kids, I have responsibilities. Um, yeah. And, and that's maybe what I'm doing to myself in my, in my regular life, my work life, you know, working myself to death because I want to, I don't know, impress or live up to some standard that I have set for myself or expectations that people have of me. I had taken myself out of and away from the things that should really matter because I don't want to say I can't do all of that. I need some help with it. Mm-hmm. Well, damn. Well, damn. And that it's like unreasonable to think that I should, you know, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though maybe I have and, and ha- I have and have allowed others to hold those unrealistic beliefs they are in fact unreasonable and unrealistic and I don't want to continue to support them because then that's that other piece of, you know, what we've talked about in other conversations of black women supposedly being 
impenetrable and you know unstoppable and quote-unquote mm-hmm. strong and indestructible like that's it just feels like an offshoot of that you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. exactly that so what do we do what do we do about that that's what I was going to say what do we want to do about it well I I am going to take up the challenge that I feel like I set for myself already by imagining a situation, hopefully not like a dire situation, but something similar where I recognize in that moment that I am feeling a bit bewildered um, and saying it out loud, saying out loud, like I'm feeling a little overwhelmed or uh, I'm not feeling like I know where to start with this or I'm a little worried I won't be able to complete this or make this deadline or I think I might be choking on my salad, you know, and just kind of declare put it if I'm gonna go out if I'm gonna go out by choking and it's on a salad I'm gonna be so pissed that I did not go out choking on something more enjoyable than that something more delectable Mm. oh man yeah so I think just even just even naming what I'm experiencing um I think is a huge step in the right direction to someone uh someone who I already really trust Mm-hmm. or you know who just is I think capable you know what I mean and willing um yeah and and it doesn't even have to mean that I think that they're going to have answers but I do think that allowing someone to offer me some level of comfort and support is really what I want to get better at mm-hmm. for me I think yes that saying out loud and then, and then perhaps actually asking for the help if I can get to the point where I can actually ask for the help and not, not take someone's silence or reflection or thinking about whether or not they can or how they can help as, a, as reluctance. You know, because if I ask for help and somebody's like, oh, you know, thinking about, and they're probably thinking, can I do that on Saturday or Sunday? And I'm like, oh, she's thinking, how can I tell her I don't want to do it? Okay, never mind. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, never mind, before we get to the point where you have to tell me no. You know? Mm-hmm. So, how can I just deal with the discomfort that comes with the pause that happens right after I ask for help? Because I'm such a yes person that I say yes right away without thinking about it, oftentimes regretting that I said yes. So, if other people, reflect more before they say yes I'll make that mean something that it doesn't necessarily mean have you ever said yes and then and then taken it back um yeah probably not very often probably not very often but I believe that there have probably been times where I have been like I guess you know I realize I can't really do it it probably has more to do with no, I don't know if it would have anything to do with work. Like if I'm going to say yes to something for work, I'm going to do it. But it might have something to do with like something social. Like somebody says, let's do this. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, why the hell did I say yes to that? I don't want to do that. <laughs> and then I'll go back and say no to something like that. But yeah, my mind works reasonably fast. So if somebody asks me to do something for work, I'm like plotting out whether or not it's doable quickly enough. But if I say yes, it is yes. It, if I want to change my mind, it's not because I can't do it. It's because I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. But 
but I'm getting better at saying no to things I don't want to do. So that's good. Okay. That's good. I don't, I don't think I've ever said yes to something I can't do. Right, maybe sometimes like a scheduling conflict comes up or something. But yeah, it's like, hey, can you write, it, write me a dissertation on <laughs> astrophysics by Wednesday? And I'm like, sure, because I want to be yeah. the best person. Like, yeah. not, nobody's, nothing that anybody's going to ask me to do is something I can't do. It's just going to be something either I don't want to do or something I don't have enough time to do or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I like this. I like these um personal commitments that we're we're wanting to work towards to start to right the ship and change our current experience of needing support and and not and being unwilling to or unable to ask for help what do we want to leave the people with today i think my question is around uh you know, we talked a little bit about what it means to us, what it says about us that, we, that we're not able to do something or that we can't do something or that we need help. So I think I would want folks to journal on what messages do you have around what it means when you need help? And then I would invite people to see if they can step back and evaluate objectively whether or not the message that they have around asking for help is an accurate message. Like if your message is only weak people ask for help, step back and ask yourself objectively, is that true under the circumstances, you know, under which you apply that logic? So what's the message and is it an accurate message if you can step back and look at it completely objectively? Yeah, I like that. I think that I want to invite people uh, and ask them to, um, Think about the people that they're closest to and why they're close to them and mm -hmm. explore how how they reveal that they need help or they look to seek support from from those people and um, be curious about whether or not those people would be surprised or hurt or disappointed mm -hmm. if they knew that you needed help and that you were unwilling to ask them for help. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a lot. A lot to think about. It is, but definitely that's worth it because we're worth it. So, happy journaling, people. Happy journaling, friends. Happy journaling, friends. That's a that's a good point to leave on. Asking for help because you're worth it. Like you're you're worth having someone help you. You are above dying in a bathroom. I'm above dying in a, it was a fairly clean bathroom, but still, it's a public bathroom. It is. You're above <laughs> that. We're all above it. Let's, Let's stop doing it. that. Everybody's above that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> all right. Thank friend. you, Ms. It's Aisha. always great talking to you. Thank you, Miss Adia. I'll talk to you Likewise. soon. Likewise. That's right. Good night. Goodbye. Now you know that was better than journaling. If you liked us, give us a five-star review and share us with the rest of your friends.